Welcome to the Wealth Matters Podcast, where investors come together to better understand how to build passive cash flow and create generational wealth without all the confusing mumbo jumbo. Here's your host and co-author of Amazon number one bestseller, Alpesh Pamar. Welcome to Wealth Matters Podcast. We are going to talk to David Friedman today. He's the co-founder and CEO of Knox Financial, a financial services company specializing in helping people turn the homes they are moving out of into market bidding investment properties. So he has built a frictional, frictionless ownership platform. And due, through this platform, David allows um, this uh, investors from finding renters to property maintenance and even managing financings. So I am looking forward to this episode just to know how he does this all. Thank you, David. Oh, it's great to be here. I appreciate it. Absolutely. So David, the first question we ask every guest is, tell us something interesting or funny about yourself. Uh, something interesting. I, uh, when I was 16 years old, I bicycled across the United States from the Pacific Ocean to the Atlantic Ocean. No way. Yep. Whoa. And I'm still, I'm still an avid cyclist to this day. I bicycle to and from the office, which is about a 25 mile round trip, uh, several days a week. And um, I just taught my oldest of three kids to ride a bike uh, in the last few weeks, and that's exciting. That's awesome. How long did it take you to go from Pacific to Atlantic? <laughs> uh, it was 58 days. We took, Whoa. it was basically eight weeks and we took one day a week off. So we rode Makes for uh, 50 days in, in eight weeks. And how many miles a day? It, it, what's funny is it comes out to uh, 70 to 80 miles a day, but, wow. we never rode, but we never rode that distance. We always, you're in the mountains, you're riding 50 or 65 and then when you're in the flats, you're riding 90, 100 miles. Correct. So yeah, yeah, it averages out basically because when you're right. going flat or downhill, of course, you can go much faster. Wow, that's crazy. So I just, not just, but during the pandemic, I also picked up biking. I bought a road bike. Now I have recently bought a triathlon bike, so yep. I know. <laughs> I've done some, I've done a I've done a number of triathlons as well in my in my twenties. <laughs> oh, that's great. So let's talk about real estate. How did you personally get started with real estate? Sure. So um, when I was in college, I was renting a house uh, near campus. I went to Tufts University and I, uh, it was around the time when I figured out that assets had value. I came, became aware of the financial markets. It was the dot-com boom and the economy was all in the news. And I started like looking up, you know, what the value of the, the, the property I was renting in. I was a two family and I realized that the owner of that property was just making a mint. Uh, <laughs> so that, that turned me on to real estate. And um, I decided I needed to not pay someone else's mortgage, but, but buy a home. And then I realized that if I was going to buy a one bedroom unit and I said, no, I should buy a two bedroom and charge my roommate rent. Exactly. And they would subsidize. So the first real estate quote investment I made was buying a two bedroom condo. And uh, my, one of my four roommates, when we were renting, moved in with me. And um, the result was his rent paid my mortgage and we split the bills. Well, this is amazing. <laughs> then uh, when was it? Uh, that was in two, that was 20 years ago, almost to the day. Oh my gosh. Thank you for wow. reminding me of that. Uh, Just over 20 years ago. And how did that investment work out for you overall? Well, what's funny about that investment, and 
is that, well, it was a fantastic investment, but that investment is actually part of why we launched Knox. And, and it's almost like we planned this, but of course we didn't plan this conversation at all. <laughs> um, uh, uh, so I lived in that home for 10 years. Wow. Uh, when I time. bought it, well, yeah, it was, it was, it was my 20s bachelor pad. When I moved out, because okay. I moved in with my now wife and we have three kids and, you know, it was the, sort of the beginning of the next phase of my life. So, you know, I moved in when I was in grad school and I moved out when I was engaged <laughs> so that, that chunk of my life. Uh, so I lived in it for, for a little over 10 years and I put a hundred thousand dollars down when I bought it. And when I sold it, uh, I turned that hundred thousand dollars into $350,000. Nice. And, and you, you are paying mortgage for free pretty much. You are not. Yeah. And, and, and here's the, here's the other thing. So what happened was four years later, uh, the new owners that I had sold it to, they sold it again. And they made another $200,000 on that property. And I saw this and I felt like somebody had stolen $200,000 from me. Because <laughs> that, that's what happens with us, right? Yeah, Every time right. we see that asset, I'm like, oh no, I shouldn't have done so, it. <laughs> and that, that is the founding story of my company. So we started Knox because uh, I, I thought, so, so I thought somebody had stolen this money from me. And I went and told everybody that I knew, but an idiot I was. I made this huge investing <laughs> mistake. I knew I never should have sold that home, I told them. Uh, and everybody said, you know, the same thing happened to me. And so we started Knox because that is actually one of the biggest investment opportunities, actually the biggest investment opportunities uh, that most people ever come in come into, which is when they move, holding onto their home. Oh, that's, that's very interesting. So how do you get rid of owning and managing the burden of owning and managing rental properties? Sure. So. In having talked to thousands of clients, the burden is, is not one thing. It's multiple things. Yes. So the, the first burden is the financial burden and or stress. It's the unknown expense or uh, the, uh, the tenant that moves out without warning and breaks their lease. Yes. Uh, or, or the tree or, that falls down in a, the store. Yeah, that is a large turnover cost because they have messed up. Sure, <laughs> sure. So, um, and then having to, to pull that out of your pocket. So you need to have uh, what I like to call some water under your keel. So you need to have some ox access to liquidity. Right. That, that doesn't mean you have to have cash sitting in a bank account. You need some kind of credit. Hmm. So a line of credit is line very helpful. Okay. Yeah. So that, that's, that, that's the first thing is just take the stress out of uh, the financial burden. You don't want to be in a position down the road where, you know, it impacts your ability to uh, make the, the mortgage payment on your your, your primary home, or, or you know, right. pay for uh, the, the other things you want to enjoy life. Um, the next thing is the surprises that come from uh, tenants uh, right. when they call and they need something at eleven o'clock on a Saturday night. So you probably want to have somebody else pick up the phone. <laughs> right. um, yeah, and then the final is, uh, and this is sort of in between the two, is is the replacement of tenants and keeping them happy. Right. And when they do get replaced, uh, or even if they don't get replaced, it's the leasing, it's the um, raising of rent. A lot of people would get stressed around that conversation. Renewing the lease. Yeah. Renewing the lease. And then, and then if they move out, finding a new tenant uh, and the costs associated with that, because you could have vacancy and then you could also be paying a realtor fee of, you know, say a month's rent to replace that tenant and then legal fees for leasing, et cetera. So those are usually the stress points that we um, uh, try to, that we alleviate for customers. So, yes, I, and uh, I'm mostly aware of that side where, you know, the, 
where you someone finds the tenant for you, manages the property, that's the property manager, right? Which is what I do. But the line of credit is something, of course, I haven't done or I haven't heard of. So, so how do you work with the client? Do you, uh, when they are when they are moving out, or do you also help them in buying a rental property? So we don't, we're, we're not in the business of helping you buy a rental property at the moment. Someday we might do that, but there's a world of, of very qualified real estate agents will help you buy <laughs> a property. Uh, our clients, the, one of the first things we do with a lot of them is help them get access to the equity in the home that they own and they're moving out of. Uh, they use that equity for usually one of, say, three things. First of all, they need it for the down payment on the home they're going to buy. Right. Sometimes they need it to do some make ready and touch up work on their home. Uh, and then sometimes the property is going to be negative cash flowing in the beginning, but they're confident in the, the value appreciation and the, and the rent growth they expect. So it will be profitable in the future. Uh, so we offer um, a few different financing options. The one that is unique to Knox is called a keep loan. And uh, I don't want to just talk about Knox today, but uh, we've created what is what feels a lot like a home equity line of credit the difference between ours and one you might get from a bank is we're fine if you plan on moving out next week or even if you've already moved out. Whereas oh. uh, a bank is not going to give you a line of credit on a home you're about to move out of uh, as if you were a homeowner. So right. we've created a special lending, a special product to uh, allow people to access that equity without selling. Oh, that's awesome. And I, I saw your bio and there was one thing which was mentioned that uh, it was reliable cash flow. So how do you yeah. create a reliable cash flow for investors? Uh, there's two ways. Uh, first of all, in a, if you have this line of credit, we, we do not encourage our customers to pull 100% of their line of credit day one. Okay. <laughs> Having that liquidity is part of how we, like we talked about you de-stress. So you can have a line of credit and then um, uh, let's say a property is producing $500 a month in net cash flow, and then you need a new hot water heater, or it's time to replace the roof or something like that, you have a line of credit available to you. And uh, you, you know, your, your cash flow might get impacted by 20 or $40 a month, but you're still going to see most of it because you can put the, the expense on the line of credit and pay it off uh, over time. Um, the other thing that Knox is working on launching is a lease guarantee. So what will happen is we actually will... Um, guarantee a lease rate every month, no matter what, and Knox takes on the risk of vacancy or um, a tenant leaving early or not, or just not paying rent. So, and okay, no, that's interesting because I heard of this lease guarantee from some other property managers as well, and they work with certain insurance companies to do that. So do you also work with certain type of insurance company to provide this kind of lease guarantee? So, um, there are two types of products that you'll see in the marketplace. So Knox already offers something called Knox rent protection okay. where we, and that is basically, it's not insurance because it's, it's a, it's a different type of product. It's, it's not technically insurance. It's, um, right. it's balance sheet risk that we take on, however, where uh, for a fee, we will uh, backstop up to three months of missed rent for, for almost any reason, short of like acts of God or something like that. Uh, whereas a lease guarantee Knox is actually renting the home from you and we are the uh, renter. So the, so Knox's balance sheet, which is much, much, much larger than a tenant's is paying you rent. And then we go and lease the, the, 
the property to a resident under a sublease. Sublease, yes. Okay, no, that that's very interesting. And how uh, how did you get all the ideas about? Of course, you mentioned uh, the, from that condo when you sold, but how did you come up with all these ideas about creating the cash flow line of credit, sure. lease guarantee? <laughs> Yeah, so while I was uh, living in that condo, I was running a different technology company that made us, uh, to this day, still make software for the real estate brokerage space. And oh, I built okay. that. Yeah, I built that over uh, more than a decade. We sold that company, and I uh, learned an awful lot about the data behind the real estate industry and the mortgage industry and the insurance industry. And we came to understand that the the data model. Um, really two data models and where they intersect. One is property. So you have, you have homes and those homes have certain physical attributes like beds and baths and things like that. But then they also have metadata, like a value and the trend of that value and the rent you can expect and the trend of that rent. And that all splices with people data. And those people are owners and residents. And owners also have metadata, like um, uh, their credit, and their investment goals and and tenants have similar things. And so when you splice those together, you realize there's all sorts of opportunities to help the owners build wealth and uh, create a long-term relationship with the tenant where you give them a safe and comfortable place to live, but you also help them achieve financial goals just like you help the owners achieve financial goals through their property. And we created Knox to uh, help people who are moving out of their homes, leverage this investment, and then work with those folks and the tenants uh, for, for years to come. No, that's great. And, um, so we spoke about, uh, you know, renting your house, um, and then you are going to help with the property management, lease guarantee, etc. Do you come up with different investment strategies depending on the client? The first question we ask every client, the first co- part of every conversation is what are your investing goals? So we have built proprietary investment analysis software that allows us to take your property or your portfolio and uh, run numbers right in front of you. We do a Zoom uh, with you and we show you how the home can be uh, sort of molded to meet your financial goals. Similar to meeting with an advisor at Morgan Stanley or Goldman Sachs or Merrill Lynch, they're going to say, okay, here's your portfolio of stocks and bonds and mutual funds. Let's see what we have to do to make you you or to help you achieve your financial goals, we do the exact same thing, uh, but we use the property portfolio. Generally, we find clients are looking for one of three things, or, or maybe a balance. Uh, generally, if you're earlier in life and your household has one or two stable and growing W two uh, incomes, people are looking for rate of return. They're yes. living off their paychecks, and they they're not necessarily looking for their investments to uh, cash flow appreciation. Yeah. Right. They want, they want, what is my rate of return and real estate can offer unbelievable rates of return because of, um, the leverage you can put on a, a property, even responsible leverage on a property will dramatically beat the S and P because it's very hard for a normal person to get a levered return right. on the public market. Yeah. On the other end of life, you've got people who are downsizing or retiring and they want reliable cash flow. Mm-hmm. And they also like, and here's a third strategy. They, they like uh, tax advantaged returns. Yes. And property, the same house, depending on who you are, can provide either a high RRR and a low cash flow or a modest IRR and a really nice cash flow. In all cases, the IRR of the, um, 
uh, you know, if you want a higher R, if we could probably uh, engineer it to dramatically beat the public markets. And if you um, are looking for steady cash flow, you could almost certainly engineer things uh, to uh, outperform the bond market or the fixed income market. So you know, the properties that people own really are an unbelievable investment opportunity. So I'm, I'm glad that you brought up the point about appreciation and cash flow. Can you share an example uh, on how you come up with this different investment strategy? Maybe share a number of one yeah. house and how you come up with those strategies? Yeah, I'll just, you know, let's talk about the same exact, let's take a, a $300,000 house. It's very, very simple strategy. Um, let's just say you own $100,000 of the equity and you have $200,000 in mortgage debt mortgage. on a $300,000 house. If that house goes up in value $100,000 or 33%, you've doubled your equity value. So, uh, you know, according to the Wall Street Journal, in the month of March, the average home in America went up in value over 20%. Yeah. So that $300,000, sorry, uh, not in that month, sorry, the, the annualized- uh, Annualized. Annualized, thank you, 20%. So if you owned a $300,000 house the prior March and, you, and it was the average home in America, a year later, it was worth $360,000. If you had $100,000 of equity, you have $160,000 in equity. That's a 60% rate of return on that property. And that's assuming that, and I'm going I'm to make another big assumption on that investment. There was no net cash flow in that year. Your expenses and your revenue were even. You still made a 60% rate of return. That's before your mortgage principal being paid down every month, little by bit by bit. Now let's take somebody else that owns that house. It's somebody who's lived in it for 30 years. They're retiring and moving out and they have no debt, okay? So their equity is not $100,000, it's $300,000. It still goes up in value that $60,000. Um, instead of having that enormous rate of return, they had a 20% rate of return, right? Which is 60 is amazing. 20 is still amazing and this is a very yes. rare time for real estate. This is not gonna sustain forever. But at the same time, that property with no debt is likely to have a really nice cash flow on top because you're paying taxes and insurance, but you're probably gonna see more income than just the taxes and insurance on that home. So whatever the net cash flow was on top of that would be your passive income uh, on that home. And uh, uh, th this is the tr the, one of the main trade-offs is how much leverage you put on the property. Um, you know, going three to one um, e equity to debt uh, is, uh, is actually pretty conservative in, in, in real estate, having $100,000 down on a $300,000 property, and you still get these unbelievable rates of return in, um, in a time when there's a lot of uncertainty in the market, uh, in, the, in the public market. So that's the type of difference in strategy we'd be talking about. Oh, that's great. Now let's, uh, take, uh, uh, let's take a different direction. What are some of the challenges you have faced from the financial side, right? Of course, because um, you have the keep loan and maybe uh, maybe other financial products you are offering, and also with the interest rates rising, what are you seeing on that side? Sure, uh, I'll answer the, the last part first. So, if you go back even just six months, a fantastic way to grab equity from the home you're moving out of was a, a refinancing. Yes. Now, even still, a refinancing, a bank's not really going to give you refinancing if you're planning on moving out soon. So, so you still need some kind of specialized product. And that's part of why we built the keep loan. But 
uh, in doing a, a refi or a cash out refi, you could get that equity and put it in your bank account for the down payment on your next home or for make ready work or, or what have you. Um, today, if you're like lots and lots of Americans, you have this wonderfully uh, low interest rate on your primary mortgage on your home. And that mortgage is probably as low or lower than any you will ever get. So the paper that mortgage is printed on is one of the best investments you own. <laughs> so if you want access to your equity, refinancing it to a point or two or three points higher than what you're paying would be a huge financial mistake. Got it. So what you want is a second mortgage lien. So you want a home equity line of credit or a home equity loan. Um, the nice thing about a home equity line of credit is you don't have to draw it all right, yeah, right away. It's home like a credit card. I love it. Yeah, you're going to, there's, there's almost always some initial draw requirement, like 25% yes. or something like that. Yeah. But uh, if you do a, um, a home equity loan, it's basically a second mortgage. You draw it all up front, you pay it off over a long period of time, um, kind of like your, your, your primary mortgage. So um, the nice thing about the line of credit is it adds all sorts of flexibility and your monthly carrying costs don't go up that much if you draw a small amount up front and keep the rest for uh, future use. Um, so uh, to go a little technical, what people are able to do is create a blended cost of capital. So they've got most of their, their mortgage um, financing in this larger note, this larger mortgage that is very cheap. And then they have a small amount of liquidity available in a slightly more expensive note at today's rates um, that they don't even have to draw on. The result is, a really nice mix of, of, of um, uh, mortgage products. Um, now, uh, you said, what is the most challenging thing we've found? Uh, in order to uh, secure financial backing for our lending product, we went and talked to over 25 uh, funds, like multi-billion <laughs> dollar funds. And we pitched many, many of them and, and to see who was willing to give us money to lend. Right. And that was a many months long process of oh, talking sure. to funds <laughs> and lawyers and fun stuff. So that was a, a, a long process, but um, in the very near future, we're going to be um, announcing a, that we have secured a, a very large uh, a backer for uh, making um, many millions more dollars worth of those loans. So that, no, that's awesome. I'm going to throw you a curveball and just because uh, I'm in San Francisco Bay Area and of course you are in Massachusetts, but here and everywhere the property prices have gone up. Let's say I own a, and everything here is even a condo is a million dollar right now, right? So <laughs> let's say I own a million dollar house and you know I end up refinancing it or adding the second loan. Now, if I go and try to buy another house for myself, everything is over 1.5 to 2 million. Would I be able to even qualify now? I have even added additional mortgage on top. Right. Uh, this is a part of what we help folks do. So uh, I don't know how in the weeds you want to get on this right, map. No. <laughs> just, just a but um, by making sure you have a lease on the home you're moving out of, yes. we help you qualify. So that lease, when you when you lease up the, the home you're moving out of and go qualify for your next mortgage. The bank wants to see that lease. They That's want to the see key. that it has, right. They want it to have a, uh, a start date no more than 60 days after closing on the new mortgage. That's a Fannie and Freddie guideline. And then 
they're going to give you about 75 cents on the dollar credit as if it were income. So if you had a $4,000 monthly rent check or, or at least for $4,000 a month, they're going to give you as if you were making another $3,000 in income. Right. And that's part of the alchemy that uh, uh, we make sure is, is the math is done right so that you yeah. do qualify and you can buy the home. Um, and then, of course, we get you the equity out of that property so you can make the down payment on that new property. No, that's great. And and I knew the answer. I just wanted my listeners to oh, know. Oh, you're, right? you're a lawyer. You know the, <laughs> the questions you ask first. No, and because I want them to understand that you got to have lease in the hand. You have to be able to lease. And the second point which you made was great, that they will give you 75 cents on the dollar because it's not a seasoned lease. When I'm investing already for a couple of years, I'm able to pretty much get dollar for dollar for my lease. But when it's not a seasoned lease, that's what you get from the bank. So no, thank you for explaining that. Um, so uh, we spoke about the financial side. Now I wanna talk about a little bit about property management side. Can you share some horror stories you have seen from property oh, management arm? <laughs> sure, sure. I mean, they happen. Um, you know, I'll tell you that, that the horror stories usually happen. And this is, this is an unfortunate thing and I don't wanna, uh, you know, point fingers too much, but we find that the most difficult situations are when there's a repair needed and uh, we call the owner and say, hi, this is a necessary repair. The tenant has reported this issue. Uh, we call them residents, I'm sorry. The resident has reported this issue and the owner says, I don't wanna make that repair. Right. And, and now <laughs> we are caught in the middle and we tell them, um, this is this is not something you, you can just leave there. This is this is actually important. Um, or even worse, they say, "Oh, the quote you gave me is too high." Yes. And, and but they don't realize is that uh, there are supply chain issues, labor shortage issues. So you know, we had a client who had a leaky um, skylight, and and you know, I don't remember what the quote was. I actually I don't even know what the quote was, but they thought it was way too high. And so the tenant is, is, was very unhappy. The, the resident was very right. unhappy because it took so long to fix. That was because the owner didn't like our, our price quote. Of course, we use only licensed contractors um, and subs. <laughs> so um, and we end up with an unhappy owner and an unhappy tenant because the owner now says, oh, geez, I have to go find my own guy. Right. And we say, well, you might find somebody who's cheaper, but they're going to be licensed and bonded and all these things. So um, that is the biggest a challenge we find. Um, I would say another challenge in, in property management, uh, or really we call it property maintenance generally, in property maintenance is when um, uh, a, a tenant calls up and says, I have this problem. And then uh, we send somebody out and the tenant is not cooperating, <laughs> right? Yes. And whatever... Uh, we've literally had to offer them incentives to show up and, and participate in the solution. Right. Um, and that is, that is sometimes a challenge. Uh, if it's a tenant we have placed, that's rarely the case, but sometimes we're inheriting a tenant that uh, has been there a while and thinks they, uh, uh, what's the word? They, um, uh, they own the place, if you will, figuratively. Right. <laughs> right. right. So um, uh that's another challenge we've definitely faced. Oh, this is awesome. Thank you so much for sharing all these stories as well as all the challenges. 
Let's take a quick break. And after the break, we'll go through the same questions I ask every guest. You're listening to the Wealth Matters Podcast. The Wealth Matters Podcast. For more info about what we do, check us out at wealthmatters.com. It's wealth, W-E-A-L-T-H, matters, M-A-T-R-S, dot com. Welcome back to Wealth Matters Podcast. David shared a lot of golden nuggets today. I thoroughly enjoyed because I could definitely relate to the issues about the financing as well as the property management. You know, I forgot to share a story. I flew to Atlanta to look at one of my duplex in April. We go there that morning and I thought, okay, my property manager also, I asked him to come and we can't get in the house because none of us had the key and we thought the tenant was going to be around. And we also had, uh, we had scheduled an appointment tenant had agreed to that appointment that uh, we needed to fix something. So those guys also showed up while I'm there, but none of us can get in the house. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, there was a, you know, there was this one property that uh, in Texas that there are four, four units, um, one t- and there was a only one heating system. Oh, and the, the owner had an agreement again with inherited tenants. It's, it's more challenging that, he would uh, divide it by, you know, send them the bill and divide it up. And we wanted to just make it a fixed price in the lease. Anyway, we inherited this, these tenants. Right. And we went to have a sit down with the tenants and be like very personable uh, with these folks. And the, the, the big complainer tenant didn't show up to the meeting. Right. <laughs> Everybody else was there and thanked us and appreciated it. And we handed them uh, Starbucks gift cards for their time. The, the biggest complainer didn't even make it. That, so, that's exactly yeah. what happens. Yeah. yeah. Uh, remember those HOM meetings, the people who complain the most, they never show up. They are, they send email, oh, we got to talk about this. <laughs> and they never show up. The minute you say, hey, I'm going to come and meet with you in person and, yeah. and we're going to, we're going to, we're going to hash this out like human beings. They don't even show up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, this is great. So David, are you ready for fire round? Yes. Would you be changing any business or investment strategy after this pandemic is over? I personally, uh, and it's not that the pandemic is over, but now that the pandemic is over, there are market shifts happening. Yes. During the pandemic, um, uh, there were opportunities that are different than, there, than the opportunities that are now. So the pandemic itself, I do not believe has um, uh, changed any of my strategies. I think that the pandemic and all of the, the interest rate drops that the, the unbelievably low interest rates that uh, existed for you know two years there are going to cause many many property owners to change their own strategies because they have so much home equity. Yeah, we believe that very strongly, and that I think is a ripple effect that's going to be part of our economy for the next ten or twenty years. Oh, that's great! Favorite real estate or finance related book. My favorite finance-related uh, book, um, uh, it's, it's not really a finance-related book, it's, it's a startup-related book, but Peter Thiel's book, Zero to One, yes, that's it's, a, a, it's book. a business book, is an unbelievably good book. No, I agree. Any tool or website you recommend or you cannot live without? Uh, it's funny, I've tried to like of late remove myself from a lot of websites, <laughs> but, um, the, the tool that I use 
the most is excel. Uh, uh, I actually think that somebody needs to, and and I'll tell you, sorry, uh, Excel was, is the popular version of the spreadsheet that everybody uses, but the first spreadsheet was called VisiCalc. And yeah, uh, one of the inventors was an investor in my last company and I, I, Bob Frankson, and I've known Bob Frankson for 15 years at MIT. He, he and a few other people invented the first spreadsheet software, which is, um, I think if you uh, really chart the way markets work and, and the valuation trends in, in many asset classes, including real estate, the adoption of spreadsheets has driven yields and margins down and down and down. And I think that, <laughs> I, I personally believe that is one of the biggest drivers in economic change the last 40 years. Wow, that, that's, that's a, such a great insight. I, I never thought of it. <laughs> I can think about it. you used to have entire rooms full of people doing the math Correct. on deals and, 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 <laughs> and accounting and spreadsheets. You had mainframe computers. My dad had a career in mainframes. Uh, and then it, it, in the 80s and 90s, it went to everybody on their desktop and everybody yes. could run the numbers. Everybody could build a financial model. Yeah. Um, and the ripple effect <laughs> of that is now you can download an app and build your own quant strategy yep. on the market. Yeah. Any advice for beginner investors? Uh, nothing sage. Other, you know, I, I could give you the um, be, beginner investors in general start small, diversify. Uh, beginning property investors, I always tell people most property investments require more upfront investment than you plan for. So it's not just the purchase price and the closing costs. When you turn a property into an investment, whether you're moving out or you're buying it, there will be other upfront costs in the first 24 months and you should plan for them and you should have some liquidity for them. That's, that's a great advice. How do you give back? Uh, you know, earlier today in this very office, I had a group of CEOs that I meet with monthly and uh, the conversations I have with those folks helping one another is a big part of how I give back. Um, I also uh, am involved with my synagogue and um, have been for uh, a long time. Actually, <laughs> since I've had small children, I'm less involved, but as they grow up and, and become uh, aware of religion, we will become more involved again. But being involved with my synagogue has always been uh, an important part of my life. Oh, that's great. How can my listeners reach out to you? Uh, you can always reach out through knoxfinancial.com and uh, you can reach out to me or uh, my entire team. Thank you so much, David, for your time. I definitely had fun. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed this conversation very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Wealth Matters podcast. If you enjoyed it, please leave us a five-star rating on iTunes so others can enjoy the show too. Have a great week and happy investing.